Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. All right, welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 80. As always, I'm glad you've decided to spend your time with me today, and I thank you for tuning in. We're kicking off our ninth season of the podcast, and I wanted to bring you something really special to get things going. In this episode, we're revisiting a topic that we've talked about only one other time on our podcast so far. We're diving into some work and a new solution that is built upon the growing understanding of the human microbiome. It's a relatively new area of science, and it focuses on the microorganisms that help protect us against germs, break down food, and produce vitamins. Back on episode 48, we spoke with Dr. Azza Gadir from Harvard about the relationship between the microbiome and the development and even the management of food allergies. Well, there's more great research being done all over the world, and you may have heard about some of the direct-to-consumer work being done to promote a healthier gut and to create personalized diets. But what work is being done to actually enlist the human microbiome in the fight against disease? Can we leverage our understanding not just to preserve health, but also to actually prevent or treat metabolic disease? It's our job and privilege to find the leaders who are breaking new ground, and I'm pleased to introduce you to one of those leaders today— with me on this episode is Lee Hee Siegel, the CEO and co-founder of Day2. Lee Hee co-founded Day2 in 2015 to bring personalized health solutions based on the gut microbiome into the consumer mainstream. Before starting Day2, she's led businesses and financial operations as the CEO and CFO of SciSense, which is a provider of business intelligence and analytics software. She's also a qualified lawyer and has an LLB from the Tel Aviv University and an MBA from Northwestern University in the U.S. You can grab the show notes for this episode at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 80. And while you're there, please be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Now let's dive into the conversation with Leahy Siegel. Leahy, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me in the program. Leahy, we're going to jump into the work you're doing at day two. But first, I want to talk about your path and how you've come to focus your career on this area of business and science. Can you give the listeners a little insight into how you've progressed from law into tech, science, and entrepreneurship? Sure. Yes, it was actually quite a ride, and I'm happy to share it. So I started with law, as you said, but it wasn't because I wanted to be this big hotshot lawyer. It was more thinking that it would be always good for business to have a legal uh, background and, and to be an attorney. So that's where I started out. I quickly found myself in the high-tech scene. This was around, you know, the year 2000. I just stated myself, but <laughs> proudly so. Um, and I moved into the high-tech scene, which was booming in Israel at that point. Um, and then more for the last 20 years or so, I've been in, as you said, in various positions. I quickly found myself in the CFO role. Um, I'm not a CPA, but... I was fortunate enough to work for companies who understood that the CFO position is more a business position and a business leader in the organization than someone who's, you know, like a bean counter or somebody who's just counting the money. And so from there, that transition to being a, a COO and then a CEO, I think was more natural. I think a lot of uh, CEOs today, women in particularly, are coming through the CFO position. And into healthcare specifically, I think that's a more interesting story as well, because 
in Israel, you know, we do, I did semiconductors and mobile phones and, and all types of uh, internet companies. But then I got to a company called DB Motion. And DB Motion was a healthcare IT company that was sold to Allscripts in 2013. So a large US EMR player. And I joined forces there with Yuval Ofik, who's also my co-founder here in day two. And that was my first healthcare company. And all of a sudden, the passion of working was coupled with actually doing something very meaningful for the world. And, and after we sold it, uh, I went to work for a BI company, Sysense, which is an amazing company, but they weren't in healthcare. And I really felt how that made a difference for me. And I didn't take it into account. And fortunate for me, Yuval, the CEO of DB Motion, came for breakfast one day said he met amazing scientists in a new area of research of the gut microbiome, which is really a new frontier in science, as you mentioned before. And he said, I want you to go meet them. He didn't say anything else. He didn't say, you know, there's a company being formed or I want to join forces with you. He just said, go, I think you should meet them. And so I did. And I met two amazing scientists, Professor Iran Siegel and Professor Iran Elinev. And both of them are leading the microbiome research in the world. And they had me at hello on the <laughs> convergence. Uh, really, I mean, it was amazing for me to get the insights of this new frontier in science, one. Two, the applicability of the science, and we'll talk about that, was something that just was very appealing for me. Doing drug development or traditional pharma life science is not something that I wanted to go into, but they had this solution that was very actionable and very immediate. I saw an immediate path to market with this technology that they developed, and that was very appealing. And then, you know, I came back to Yuval. I said, hey, you know, these guys are amazing, and the science is amazing, and this is a new area, and I got very excited. And he said, all right, you want to you wanna join forces? You know, let's license this from the Weizmann Institute and found a company around it, and you can be the CEO, I'll be the chairman. We'll work together again, which we greatly enjoyed before. And that's that's how this started. Excellent. That's a great story. I mean, just from the very beginning there, when you talked about your background in law and finance, those are two very critical skill sets to have when doing any sort of business. And to be able to sort of see the different components about how to create relationships contractually and then how that translates into the finance world, that's just a great background for entrepreneurship and for some of the disruption that we need to have in healthcare as we try to create new business models and new ways of working. And then I love the fact that it came down to an introduction, you know, just connecting two people, no real direction about where it was going to go. And as you said, they had you at hello. And now look at you, you've now licensed this technology. And now you're creating this great company. We've got a very educated audience here, so I don't want to offend people by going into uh, some of the basics here, but I think it's important that since this is a new area of science and people may not have heard our earlier episode and may not be familiar with it, can we just establish a little bit of a baseline of knowledge for all of our listeners? Can you describe the microbiome and some of the impact that it has in our understanding of it so far? Sure, I'd love to. And there's a lot more people, I agree, that know about the microbiome, but there's still some uh, when I walk into a meeting and people say, I don't really know about it. So I'm happy to ground us. Uh, so the microbiome and the gut microbiome specifically, we all you know, knew from uh, the, I think, 1990 or so that there's good bacteria and bad bacteria. And we all know that there's somehow in the yogurts and there's probiotics. 
But then about 10 years ago, a professor decided to look at the DNA of the gut microbiome and using sequencing machines, which used to be the machine to uh, map the human DNA, thought to just uh, take a piece of stool and see which DNA appears in the stool. And when that was done, a very big wealth of DNA appeared, and it was very clear that that could not explain just the minimum bacteria that we thought were in our guts until that point. And then projects started around uh, mapping the gut microbiome, both in the NIH and in Europe. And a few hundreds of millions of dollars later, we now know that there's about 3,000 types of gut microbiome in our gut. They weigh as much as our brain, so something like uh, two and a half kilos. They are now linked to almost all the disease that you can think of. So there's been found associations to metabolic disease, including diabetes and, of course, prediabetes, cardiovascular disease, Parkinson, Alzheimer, cancer, autism, depression. And when I say linked, it is an association link. So you can take people with obesity, for example, and you can see that they have a certain type of microbiome. And when you take people with type 2 diabetes, you can see that they have a different type of microbiome. And healthy people will have a different type of microbiome. So it's clearly associated. The interesting thing that people are working on to prove is that there's also a causality link, which really means that they are the driver of the disease. When they're not working right or there's a dysbosis, it will be a driver for diabetes and not just something that's a result of diabetes that maybe is caused by something else. And there are now a lot more causality links to show that they are actually a driver of disease. And to me, personally, when I met Professor Siegel, which by the way, I share the name, but there is of course no relation, uh, he sent me a bunch of articles to you know, start learning about the gut microbiome. And one of those was about breastfeeding. And for years, researchers looked at a certain nutrient or component that was in the breast milk and did not understand why it was there because the baby was not apparently using that. And you would expect evolution-wise that it would disappear over years, but it didn't. And once the gut bacteria of infants were uh, mapped, then researchers, the scientists saw that this specific component in the mother's milk is actually feeding the gut microbiome of the infant. Wow. And yeah, and that wow was when I kind of went, oh my God, it's so good that I breastfeed all my kids. And, and you know, in cesarean and birth and in regular birth versus a C-section and how that affects the immune system. And I was looking at them and said, and I said, wow, I have to be part of this new uh, frontier of bringing this new science, you know, to the world. That's where the gut microbiome right now is. There's a lot of companies and a lot of research going on worldwide. I think there's a consensus that we missed a very, very big part of the drivers of health and disease in, in humans. That's a fascinating piece of research that you just shared. And you mentioned that there were several articles that uh, Professor Siegel sent across. And anything that you'd like to send across, we would be delighted to include those in the show notes of this episode to further inform the listeners sure. so they can get more uh, experience and understanding about what you're working on. So you mentioned some really interesting stats there. So over 3,000 types of microbiome, microorganisms, uh, 2.5 kilograms of mass in a person. That's uh, what, uh, over five pounds in uh, 
the U.S. speak. Mm-hmm. And then there's you mentioned some of the relationship and the causality, but there's also been studies about fecal transplants and trying mm-hmm. to change the uh, obesity or the metabolism of mice and rodents and actually changing obese mice into average mice and vice versa just by doing fecal transplants. And also I understand even relating the microbiome, the gut microbiome to mental health issues. Do you have any experience in that? No. So for sure, there's a lot of links, associative links between the gut microbiome and mental health. We specifically are not researching Mm -hmm. that area, but we are researching a lot about the, the correlations and associations between the gut microbiome and metabolic health. And I agree that fecal transplants are the easy way to show causality, right? So if you're taking the gut bacteria of a person that is obese and you are planting it into germ-free mouse, that mouse becomes obese. And that shows that it is a driver of disease. And there's a lot of research done on that. I think the main point is that while we're all trying to modulate the gut microbiome into a better and healthier place, I think fecal transplants at this point have been shown to not stick. So when you're trying to you know, solve obesity or solve for insulin resistance, it has been shown to have an effect, a positive effect, but for about a week or a week and a half or so. And you're trying to do something very consistent when you're looking at the gut microbiome and trying to get that into a better health. So we're you know, starting our path in understanding what drives the microbiome and how to change it. Talking about articles, our professors have published a very, very interesting paper about what actually drives the gut microbiome and if it's influenced by human genetics or it's influenced more by the environment. It was clearly showed that for metabolic health, when we're looking at BMI, when we're looking at insulin resistance, the DNA, it affects, but only so far, about 2%, while the environment is a very big driver of the microbiome. Um, It was shown to have a correlation of 16 up to 33% even. And so uh, the environment is clearly the one that is driving the microbiome and the type of microbiome that you have, specifically two things. One is the environment itself, like where you live. If you want to change your microbiome consistently, you can move to China, live there for a year, and you'll see a consistent change. And diet is the, the second one. So everything that has to do with what you're actually putting in your system and what you're eating drives changes in the gut microbiome. And that has been shown as well. So let's talk about some research. I've been on your website, which is day2.com, D-A-Y-T-W-O.com. But I also visited your company page on the Startup Nation Finder website. And listeners, you can find that by going to startupnationcentral.org and then clicking over in the corner and signing up for a free account there. On that page, on the Startup Nation Finder, you had a great video, and you mentioned it already. You mentioned the work being done at the Weizmann Institute. Can you share with us some of the work that's been done there and perhaps what was shared with you on that initial meeting uh, that led to some of the work you're doing now? Sure. So the original science that we did not fund in day two, right, it was done before the company was founded, but the original science by the two professors was all about understanding why diets fail. Why does one diet fit one person and is effective for one person and why another diet is not? And the idea was, that was proven in that study, was that they will look at the differences between people because people respond differently when they eat the same food. So you and I are different. And more specifically, 
talking about blood sugar levels. And this is something that was, if you're talking about eight, 10 years ago, when they started thinking about this, quite revolutionary. Today, everybody understands that sugar is the enemy and not something you should promote. You know, the whole low fat is bad. Um, But at that point, they were just starting to prove that out. They decided to look at post-meal blood sugar levels, which is the blood sugar levels in the two hours after you eat. And the reason they did that was because it is highly correlated with disease. So as you spike up and down, the actual spikes are a driver of metabolic disease, of cancer, of higher mortality overall. So they said, okay, this is something that even for healthy people, not just for diabetics and pre-diabetics, but everybody needs to balance their blood sugar levels as much as they can. The second reason they chose that marker of healthy nutrition was because they wanted a nutrition study, and a nutrition study has to talk about weight, clearly. And so they understood that the mechanism of spiking your blood sugar levels is also clearly related to weight in a way that when you spike up and a lot of insulin is secreted into the system in order to bring your blood sugar down, that is the point that the excess blood sugar levels gets stored as fat in the cells, and that's how you gain weight. It also affects your hunger and cravings and energy levels and all these are known to be shown to make it harder to comply with your diet as you go up and as you go down. So this was the first really smart thing that they did, I think, was choose the healthy marker that could be continuously measured. They just put continuous glucose monitors on people, a thousand people, measured them for a week, and correlated that with a lot of other information that they collected on people. They had everybody logging their foods for a week, They took 30 blood metrics from every person. They took a lot of information on the gut microbiome. They took uh, Fitbits, right? They had people put a Fitbit on their arms. So they monitored sleep and exercise, the anthropometrics, right? BMI, blood pressure, medical history. They they just collected whatever they could. And then a thousand people for a week, three clear outcomes of this trial. One was that people indeed are different. And when you and I will eat the same piece of bread, we will have, we could have different blood sugar responses. I could have a high one and you could have immediate one. I could combine my food with fat and it will lower my blood sugar levels. For you, it could be less effective. They showed that the differences in people do exist as they thought. And that is in itself not interesting because just saying you and I are different is great, but how do we know to predict for you what's going to be good for you and what's going to be bad for you and for me? So that's where people have been trying to do that for a while. And they, by design, these two professors decided to take a different approach, decided to say, let's end the trial. Let's collect this data to something that is big, big data and run a machine learning algorithm on it. Train the model on 800 people predictive model. And so they did that. And what they found was that they- And was this still 10 years ago? No, no, this was, uh, I'm sorry, the trial was running for about four or five years Mm -hmm. and it ended in 2015. So about four years ago. And what did they find? They found that they were able to build a predictive model 
an algorithm that when you look at another person, like the next person walking through the door and you want to profile that person, you take a certain set of parameters. We'll talk about what we're using. And then you're able to run the machine learning algorithm for that person and build their personalized diet tailored to balance their blood sugar levels. And that is the core algorithm, that the technology that they uh, developed and that day two licensed from the Weizmann Institute. So this trial was published in Cell Journal in November of 2015, around the time that we founded the company. And then what we did was take this core capability and build a product around it. So in terms of that study, you, you mentioned the differences in terms of response between individuals. Something that stood out to me, having watched the video that you had on your Startup Nation Central Finder page, and that I'll make sure I include that video on the show notes for this episode, was that there were anomalies within individuals, like some people, their blood sugar actually spiked higher after eating sushi than when they ate ice cream. And when you talk about this personalized diet that you can make for individuals, there were things that appeared on the good diet for one person and appeared on the bad diet for another person. So that was really striking to me that that would be such a, a big factor. Right. So you, I totally agree. We see differences in people and there's a lot of surprises. Um, I can tell you personally that I participated in this trial as part of the due diligence on the company. It was still running. I think I closed it. I was you know, the last one to do it. And when I got my report from them, which was just a simple report on my blood sugar level continuous monitor, I saw that my vegetable salad was one of my number one spiking foods, which is wow. awful, right? When you think about it, like I'm on a diet or I'm trying to eat healthy, I'm eating a vegetable salad because that's what you're supposed to do with all these really great vegetables. And it's spiking my blood sugar levels. I'm actually doing the opposite of what I'm trying to do. And there were other surprises as well. My morning breakfast, which was yogurt and bran flakes, was spiking. My snacks during the day, like my apple, was spiking my blood sugar levels. And I have to tell you that I saw that in my body as well. Now I know that. But I was hungry every two hours or every two and a half hours. I had to eat something. Otherwise, I would be you know, too hungry. And this is an effect of raising blood sugar levels. Now, at that point, I had nothing to do with this information because I just got a flat report that told me your vegetable salad is spiking. But what am I supposed to do? Not eat vegetables? And, right. and when we built in day two the product, our product allows you through an app to understand which combinations will balance your blood sugar levels. We're here with Lee Siegel, the CEO and co-founder of Day2. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to dive into how this research into the human microbiome has turned into a product that can actually help treat disease and improve health. We'll also talk about some of the additional research that Day2 has underway that you'll be able to access shortly and how this is going to help people who are fighting conditions like type 2 diabetes. We'll do all that after a word from one of our sponsors. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back and we're speaking with Leahy Siegel, the CEO and co-founder of Day2. Leahy, you explained the amazing research that you encountered and that you licensed to create the company Day2, and you said that you saw the opportunities right away. So how have you taken this research and applied it to actually create a product? Yeah, so what we did immediately is take the science, take the algorithm, built it again from scratch, of course, in a scalable you know, R&D environment, 
And then what we did was built um, a program around it. So people will come online. They will give us the information that we need on the questionnaire that includes blood tests. We mail a kit to them or we messenger, depending in the U.S., we actually mail it. And here we messenger it over. And people take a stool sample at home. In their convenience, they uh, use a kit that we give them that stabilizes the gut microbiome. So they can just do it at their leisure and they don't have to worry about freezing it or getting it to the doctor in time. You know, it's just like do it, stabilize it. And then you have a few weeks even to get it back to us. So usually they mail it back or they messenger it back. And then we sequence the gut microbiome using full shotgun sequencing, which is just a very long way to say that we're taking a very deep look at the gut microbiome, including genes and functionalities. Once the sequencing is done and the questionnaire is completed, then automatically an app is generated for that person and that can be downloaded from you know App Store or Google Store. And then through the app, the app really explains to you your best breakfast, lunch, dinner. It allows you to search, just a free search on a very huge database of foods and restaurants. You can actually go into our app today, you know, hit a certain name of a restaurant. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say it, but whatever, Chipotle or Starbucks. And you can cut it out if I'm not allowed to say that. But just You sure can. Yeah, safe run here. Okay, so... <laughs> Right. Go go into Chipotle, you know, write Chipotle, search for it. You'll get the entire menu of Chipotle because that's the law in the U.S. Every restaurant with over 20 locations has to publish the entire menu with the macro and micronutrients. And then our algorithm just pulls that in and scores it. So we give a score between 0 to 9.9, 9.9 being the best. And then you can choose which meal on the restaurant that you're in is best for you. And if you get a low score on an apple, for example, then we will advise you how to make that better, what to eat that apple and in what combination. Some people can add peanut butter and fat is really effective and it's important to know which type of fat. Sometimes almonds, sometimes it's walnuts, sometimes it's cheese. We have customers saying to me, I, nothing I can combine this with helps me with my apple. And then I said, did you try, you know, this certain cheese? And that worked, right? So... It's really all about the combinations. That's what we learned. And so we allow people to build their own meal if they want to, right? Cook. There's a lot of recipes in the app, packaged goods. You can search for a cliff bar, right? Just, you know, scan the barcode on a cliff bar, and then you'll get different scores on cliff bar based on the nutrients in the cliff bar. And when you look at a Cliff Bar, it's the same amount of calories and the same amount of protein, right? You can't tell the difference, but the algorithm can tell the difference for you. Lehi, I'm 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 shocked. I've learned so much from this. I I mean, you just recruited a customer for me. I was actually on your website the other day, and I'm based in the UK, and I noticed it wasn't available here. You're saying it is available in the US, right? So people can go what to your website and actually purchase this now. Right. So we are open both in Israel and in the U.S. On, on a B2C basis. Anybody can just come and buy it. We are, though, on the go-to-market side, investing now in moving to B2B. So in the U.S., we are focused on people with diabetes, full type 2 diabetes. And since this is very effective for balancing their blood sugar levels, we want to be part of their total care. 
We want to be part of their care. If a physician is looking at that patient, you know, every quarter and adjusting medication and providing uh, dietitian support, we need to be in that loop. We need to be in as part of that standard of care. And that's where we're going with the, with this uh, technology. And how is it going? I imagine you have some studies going on and some pilots. Uh, can you give us any insight about how things are progressing? Sure. So uh, we have uh, in Israel, and we're more mature here. We opened uh, the program here in uh, two years ago. So right now we have over 20,000 people on the program. We are launching next month the program with the largest uh, HMO in Israel with uh, four and a half million members. They are going to subsidize this for their members, and they're going to focus on people with diabetes, but also people with prediabetes as more a preventive mode. That's in Israel. And in the U.S., it's a very similar process where we started with B2C, and then we have a health practitioner program open. So we have hundreds of physicians and clinics that are now bringing this into their clinics as part of the food as medicine agenda that they have. So we are doing that as the first step. And then the second step, which we've started, is approaching health plans and self-insured employers who are looking for solutions to help people with type 2 diabetes with the aim, of course, of lowering healthcare costs. Because when you look at that, somebody with diabetes would cost their employer or their health plan $20,000 a year, while a healthy person would cost half that. And so there's a lot of room to reduce costs. And when we're saying costs, it's both the direct costs that are associated with the care in terms of medicine, but it's also everything that has to do with uh, you know, missing work and hospitalization costs and all that. So the health plans and employers are always looking for solutions like ours. And we come in with our food and nutritional recommendations, and we help their members balance their blood sugar levels. Brilliant. I mean, like I said, I, I'm sold. I, I want to check this out myself. I'm fascinated by what you're doing. How do people find out more about it? I mentioned the website already, day2daytwo.com. How can people engage with your company, find out more about how they can use this themselves as individuals or within their businesses or systems? Right. So, of course, partners can also look through the partner section on the website or just email me directly. Uh, I'm happy to share my contact information. So we're looking for partners, especially in the U.S., employers, self-insured employers, health plans, physicians, clinics, health systems, anyone who would want you know this solution to try it out for their type 2 population. That's the best way to reach us. And then for consumers, it's day2.com. Brilliant. Well, we, we don't Put your email address on the website. We don't want bots to scrape it and start spamming you with a bunch of stuff, but we do want to make sure that the listeners to this program can get a hold of you by email. What is your email address? It's uh, lihi.siegel at day2.com. It's L-I-H-I dot S-E-G-A-L at day2.com. Excellent. And I will include a link to your LinkedIn profile there, right. as well as to the website and any other social media feeds that you guys might have. But do get in touch with Leahy if you uh, would like to express some interest in, in this product and how it can work within your system. Do reach out to her by email. So is there anything else that you'd want to make sure that the listeners get before I let you go today? So you mentioned the UK. Um, we're not open yet in the UK, but we are looking for you know the right time to enter into additional markets because there's such a big need around the world, you know, to solve metabolic health. And I think that's coming as well. So you will be able to do it soon. 
Great. Good to know. The last thing I would want to maybe emphasize is that we are we have numerous clinical trials going on because we want to be able to show that we're very effective and more effective than the standard of care. And so we have uh, different cohorts. We had a trial with the Mayo Clinic done to validate the algorithm on U.S. population that's going to be published soon. And then we have a trial that's going to start with the Jocelyn Institute. So there's a lot of investment still going on to prove to the world that the science is solid and working and lowering blood sugar levels as we claim to do. And we also have a very unique microbiome platform. So the company strategy is really a dual strategy. We're providing something very actionable to consumers and, you know, and to customers in the B2B side. But we're also building a microbiome platform that will fuel the future pipeline of products. And you know, maybe we'll be able, based on this platform, to really find the critical elements that drive the disease and drive uh, diabetes and really you know, stem out interesting products in the future as well. Brilliant. Well, listen, Lee, we wish you a lot of luck. I hope you'll continue to keep us informed as you have more studies come out and more products and markets that you're entering and more success within the company. We'll continue to keep your posts and this podcast page uh, updated on our website and just wish you a lot of success. Thanks so much for joining me and uh, sharing your story with the listeners. Thank you so much for the opportunity. That was Lee He Siegel, the CEO and co-founder of Day2. So what do you think? What research and solutions have you seen that are changing the way we approach metabolic health? I'd like to hear what you think. Send me a message on Twitter at HealthTechDan or reach me on the show at DHealthToday. You can also email me the old-fashioned way at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. You can grab the show notes to this episode by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 80. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to and rate the podcast. In this season nine, we have more conversations with great leaders taking on the topics of mental health, 3D printing of human organs, digital therapeutics, and much, much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the website and in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a single show. As always, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep on innovating. Innovating.